Hello, my name is Cyril Lachelle, and when people come up to me on the street and ask me why they should listen to Cyril Reed's podcasts, I tell them about the time when Bionic Commando fought a giant squid to save his friend Super Joe. I tell them about the 13-year-old ninja who flew across the world to save his father. And even when he was shot and only had one pair of clothing to wear, that ninja got up and he fought for what was right. I remind them of the people we met along the way, how each and every one of them was special and made us a better person. I remind them of the humor. Oh, we laugh as I talk about salting pizza and getting shot by a 13-year-old girl. And then we cry. Because I know that for all the good times, there must also be sorrow. Not everybody is going to make it from week to week. So we need to cherish the people we love whenever we can. But most importantly, I tell them that the best is yet to come. The future is bright for the Cyril Reads podcasts. And that's exactly what I tell those people. But since you're asking, I would tell you to listen to this very first episode of Cyril Reads Blaster Master. And I think you will see why you should listen to a full season. So without further ado, let's cut to the music and open up our third book. Hello, hello. Oh, what a great audience we have today. Oh, I know why you're happy. It's uh, it's because you didn't have Heidi and Spencer in your I'm a celebrity, get me out of here office pool. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Hey, so uh, this is the first episode of the third season of Cyril Reads. Uh, my, my name is Cyril, and I'm here to walk you through the crazy adventure we're about to go on together. In each episode, I'm going to read two or three chapters from uh, the newest uh, Worlds of Power book, Blaster Master. By the end of our 12-episode run, we'll have hit all 120 pages and uh, know the full story of what happened to Jason, Fred, and Sophia III. And that's not all. After every single show, we're going to have a few minutes and we're going to talk about what we just experienced. Uh, and if you can't tell already, we have a spectacular show lined up for you today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start uh, this episode by, as we always do, by reading the first few pages, the foreword, and, and whatnot. Uh, and then we're just gonna go right into chapters one, two, and three. They're all pretty short, so it should be pretty fast. Uh, so get comfortable, uh, because you're about to experience all of the power of Cyril Reed's Blaster Master. sudden hissing sound made Jason spin around. There was something in front of the tunnel to his far right. He squinted against the glare of the walls. It was a long, low vehicle of some sort, and it pulsated with a low rumbling sound. Suddenly, a winged door opened up on the driver's side. Out stepped a person. Actually, humanoid was more like it. It wore a shining bodysuit with a bubble helmet. And in its right hand, straight at Jason, was a gleaming metal gun.
Worlds of Power presents Blaster Master, a novel based on the best-selling game by Sunsoft, book created by FX9, written by A.L. Singer, a Seth Godin production. This book is dedicated to Eric, a true video game champion. Chapter 1 Freak! Jason Frudnick stood outside the black door. Gray, steamy clouds whirled around his feet. He felt as if he were floating. Freak! There it was again. The sound was driving him crazy. Something was behind that door. All he had to do was reach out and turn the knob. But a voice inside him said, Run away! Run away or you'll be sorry! Instead, he took a step forward. He couldn't stop himself. His fingertips stretched towards the knob, but he yanked them away. It was turned back now, or... Break! That did it! He couldn't stand it any longer. He had to find out what was making that noise. Lunging forward, he gripped the knob. It stuck to his hand. The frozen slime oozed from his fingers. He turned it. In the night's stillness, the click of the latch sounded like a gunshot. With a deafening creak, the door opened. Inside the room, it was black. Inky black. The black of the deepest spot of the universe, beyond stars, beyond light. Cold fear shot through Jason. His blood turned to ice. He peeled his hand off of the knob. He wanted to turn and run, but his legs moved him into the room. The darkness swallowed him. He looked around. Nothing there. That noise must have been his imagination. Okay, it's time to... Break! Before he could move again, he saw it! It appeared in a blinding flash of light. Jason shielded his eyes. He couldn't see its shape. But he could tell one thing. It was huge. The size of a house. The, the size of a Tyrannosaurus. Back from extinction. Jason felt like an ant. Like a crumb. He knew he had to look at it. He had to see the... The... The thing that was about to destroy him. The light was forcing its way into the tightly shut eyes. And he opened them slowly into tiny slits. And what he saw made his jaw drop open in shock. He choked back a scream. It, it, it couldn't be. It, it was, no, it couldn't even think of it. It was, it was, chapter two! Oh, I mean, chapter two. Fuck! Jason fell to the floor. His bed wasn't that high, so it didn't hurt that much. Still, it was enough to wake him. He pulled himself out of the tangled sheets. Oh, it was a dream, he said to himself. Only a dream. He felt his heart beating a mile a minute. 
and he couldn't help but smile with relief. Thank goodness things like that never happen in real life. Freak! Jason's breath caught his throat. The sound was real. It was coming from the box that Fred lived in. Fred was Jason's pet frog. But this didn't sound like Fred. Fred's voice sounded more like a ribbit most of the time. Sometimes, it even when it got excited, it went ribbit, ribbit, but never break. Fred? Jason called out timidly. The morning sun was filtering through his blinds, casting stripes of light on the bed and the floor. It shone through the huge glass box on the table across the room, the home he had made for Fred. In the angle of the sun rays, Fred's shadow was a dark, mutant giant. Oh, oh, was, was that you, Fred? Jason asked. Before he could even finish the question, Fred began to jump. Break! 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 He was frantic. He was trying to leap out. Jason couldn't believe his eyes. Fred, what's the matter? Is there something wrong? Fred began flinging himself against the glass, away from Jason and towards the window. You... You want, you want to go outside, little buddy? Jason asked. Fred jumped up and down, continuing a strange shriek. It was, it was as if he understood Jason. Jason was flabbergasted. He knew Fred was smart. I mean, for a frog, but but he was never shown signs of understanding English. Feed him for goodness' sakes! Came a groggy voice from down the hall. It was Mr. Frednick, Jason's father, trying to get his Saturday morning sleep. Okay, Dad, Jason shouted, but he knew Fred didn't want to be fed. This was a stronger need, a, a need that would destroy Fred if he wasn't fulfilled. Freak! Things weren't going to be too terrific for Jason either if he didn't stop Fred from making that awful noise. But there was only one way to do that. Be easy, pal, Jason said. I'll take care of you. He reached down into the high glass water. From the bottom, the rich smell of the soil and mossy plants wafted upwards. Jason had always been proud of the home he had built, and Fred had seemed to love it. That is, until now. Jason cupped his hand around the frog and lifted him out. As soon as he set him down on the table, Fred squirmed away and then jumped across the room. He landed on Jason's blue carpet and hopped out of the half-open door. Hey, where are you going? Jason called out, but Fred was already down the hallway. Jason followed him downstairs. Fred hopped through the living room right up the front door. Freak! Jason shivered. What was making Fred act like this? He felt as if he were 
in his dream again. As if something terrible would happen if he opened that door. What is out there, little pal? He said in a soft voice. Fred began jumping again, hurling himself against the door. His body made sharp thuds as it bounced back. Okay, okay, I'll let you out. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Jason opened the door. In one bound, Fred leaped over the entire porch. He landed on the front lawn, and in seconds, he was in the street. Jason had to run at top speed just to catch up, which wasn't easy in his slippers. All around them, the small town of Batrachia, New York, lay asleep. The lawn looked a little shaggy, and Jason knew that the mowers would be roaring in a few hours. It was a quiet, small town by the ocean, and Jason liked it best on the days when the wind blew from the south. Then you could smell the gentle, salty breezes. But when it blew from the east, the air had a stale, gassy smell from the nearby swamp. Jason always kept his distance from that swamp. Everybody did. It always seemed creepy and slimy, and some people claimed the part of it glowed at night. It wasn't the kind of place you would ever really think about visiting. But it was exactly where Fred was headed. No, not there! Jason called out. Come back! Fred was way ahead, at the, the very end of Archer Street. There were no houses there, just a cyclone fence. Beyond it, as far as the eye could see, was that very swamp. By now, Fred was a hopping silhouette in the orange glow of the rising sun. Through squinted eyes, Jason looked on in horror as Fred wriggled his way under the fence. He disappeared into the tall swamp grass, appearing again only at the top of each hop. Leaping over the fence, Jason landed in the swamp and started to run. Actually, slogging was more like it. Before long, his slippers were stuck in the muck. Barefooted, he followed Fred into the area of bushes and scrawny trees. He pushed aside the spindly branches that whipped against his face. It was no use. Fred had vanished into the bushes. There, there was no way to find him now. Fred! Jason was screaming now. This couldn't have happened. Not to Fred. Not his best friend. Not, not the pet Jason had raised from a tadpole. Fred couldn't possibly survive in the swamp. Fred, where are you? Jason's answer came. It wasn't a frog sound. It was a low, sinister hum to his left. Jason pushed aside some thick, overgrown vines and followed the noise. He came to another field. The grass there was plain, almost brown. It looked as if it had been scorched by the sun. There was a dull, sickly green glow in the middle of it. Jason cautiously approached. Soon, he could see where the glow came from, a strange metallic box that jutted out of the ground. On top of it was a small shadow that seemed to be growing. It was in the shape of a... of a... 
Frog? There you are! Jason shouted. I thought I had lost! Jason cut himself off. He was sure he would recognize his pet anywhere, and this had to be Fred. But the size was wrong! Fred wasn't nearly that big. Well, maybe it was a trick of, of the rising sun or something, a, a reaction to the swamp grass. Jason rubbed his eyes again. When he opened them, Fred was the size of a cocker spaniel. His little chest was puffing in and out furiously as he breathed. And with each breath, he grew bigger, the size of a wolf, a panther. Jason backed away. He opened his mouth to scream, but no sound came out. Slowly, the box in which Fred was sitting began to sink. And it was at the top of his swollen frog head that disappeared beneath the ground. Jason could swear he saw the look of fear and the panic in his poor pet's eyes. Game Hint Level 2 earned you the Crusher. Level 3 earned you the Hover. Level 4 earned you the Key for Level 5. Level 5 earned you the Diving Bell. Level 6 lets you walk on the walls. Level 7 lets you drive on the ceiling. Chapter 3 No! Jason's desperate cry sliced through the morning air. The rising sun burned fiercely in his eyes. He raced into the field, stumbling blindly through the grass. He had only taken a few frantic steps when he slipped. He stretched out his arm, but it wasn't enough. With a sudden whoomp, he fell face first into the mud. Springing to his feet, he brushed off his face enough to where he could see. Then he ran to the hole that Fred had sunk into. When he got there, he stopped short. It was much bigger and deeper than had looked from a distance. A full-grown person could fit into this opening easily. He squatted by the edge and looked in. Fred? He called out. Fred! 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 was his answer, the echo of his own voice. Echo? Jason stared into the hole, which was the darkest, blackest thing he had ever seen, like the, the black of his dream. How could there have been an echo? Dirt and mud would absorb sound, not, not bounce it back, unless there was something else down there, but besides dirt and mud. Thoughts jumbled through Jason's mind. Should he call the police? No, they would just laugh. Should he get his parents? No, they would just tell him to get another frog. That left only one choice, and Jason knew it was crazy. But crazy problems needed crazy solutions, and Jason decided to do it. He jumped. Yeah! The scream tore up from his lungs as he falling, falling, falling picking up speed as if it were a race to the center of the earth. The darkness gulped him up, and he saw nothing below him. Swish! 
Suddenly, there was something underneath him, something like the slide on a playground. The cool, curved metal chute guided him on a sloping path downward. In the end of the slide, there was a shaft of dim light. He tumbled end over end, finally dropping through a hole. With a painful thump, he landed on a hard, cold floor. As he stood up, his bare feet tingled with the cold. His breath came in small, white puffs. A steady drip, drip, drip echoed off of the polished granite walls. The glowing metal chest was nowhere to be seen, and neither was Fred. Jason looked up to see the walls disappearing, high into the darkness. That was strange. The ceiling was pitch black, but the, the room glowed with the same bizarre greenish color as the chest. The light seemed to be coming from within the walls themselves. He turned around and saw tunnels leading in different directions. Fred must have gone into one of them, but, but which? Psst! Jason's heart skipped a beat. The sudden hissing sound made him leap with fright. He spun around. There was something in front of him, that tunnel in the far right. He squinted against the glare of the walls. It was the long and low, and it pulsated with the low rumbling sound. A vehicle of some sort. Jason carefully walked closer. Suddenly, a winged door opened up on the driver's side. Jason froze. Out stepped a person. Actually, humanoid was more like it. It wore a shining bodysuit with a bubble helmet and in its right hand, pointed straight at Jason, was a gleaming metal gun. And now, an open letter to A.L. Singer, author of Blaster Master. Hello, Mr. Singer. My name is Cyril Lachelle, and I truly hope you remember me. It's been a while since we last spoke, but... That's only because I've been really, really, really busy. What's that? Oh, okay, you, you caught me. I've been cheating on you with another writer. Last August, I went through J.B. Stamford's terrible Bionic Commando book. But, but it meant nothing to me. No, no, honest, honest. She means nothing to me. You're my true love. That's why I came back to you for my third season. Oh, A.L., we have so much to catch up on. Like... Did you know that Nintendo has this vitality sensor thing? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to use it on, but at least they have it in the wings just in case they need it. Oh, and Microsoft has this crazy camera thing that allows you to play games with, without even using a control. I mean, it's like the 21st century. I know, it's, it's like Star Trek up in here. Oh, and that reminds me. Uh, since I've talked to you last, that Star Trek movie finally came out. And it's fantastic! I know you're a big Trekkie. But I digress. I suppose we probably have more important things to talk about than going over Star Trek. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't really remember that much about Blaster Master's story. Uh, before picking up the book, I was trying to remember the last time I even played the 8-bit release, and I'm pretty sure it's been almost two decades. 
I remember a frog and jumping car, but not much beyond that. So, so far this story has, uh, has pretty much introduced half of what I remember, so I'm definitely excited to see where this book takes us. Uh, I'm also a little concerned about the way our hero perceives the world around him. In the first three chapters alone, there are two references to it being the blackest thing he's ever seen. It's inky black. It's blacker than the furthest galaxy. Blacker than Mike Tyson's dick. I mean, what the hell? Is this guy's only cultural reference old Nat X episodes? He's so black, they counted him four times at the Million Man March. He's so black, the fireflies confuse him for night. Yeah, that guy. I'm not saying that this is racist or anything. It's just odd that... Oh, 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 no, I have another one. He's so black that he pisses motor oil. Okay, I'll stop. So I I see what you did there. You started and ended the three chapters uh, in exactly the same way. Like... Like that, that snake who, who eats its own tail. What is that? that, that? Uroboros. Uh, that would be amazing narrative device if it weren't for the fact that the middle was painfully bad. Actually, I take that back. Well, one thing that happened to me since I last talked to you was that I watched uh, that Dragon Ball Z movie. You know, the, the live action one with the, all the comic mischief by Chow Yun Fat. Well, it's bad. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really bad. So bad, in fact, that I'm, I'm reassessing how I look at bad writing in general. So, A.L., let me just say this. Even though your work is comically terrible, I'm officially upgrading you from, to just merely mediocre, not, not the abortion that Dragon Ball Evolution was. Well, that's just about going to do it for us this week. I hope you join me next week for another episode, and we'll go through another couple, maybe a few uh, chapters. Uh, We're going to find out who that masked man was. We're going to find out why there was a giant frog. And most importantly, we're going to find out if our hero has to go the entire story with muddy bare feet. Talk about cliffhanger. I'll see you next week. Yours truly, Cyril Lachal.